0: Now, this may, this may chap you. I don't care. Y'all know me. Y'all know me well enough to know that now. I love you, but I don't care if it makes you mad. So, what? Yeah, I know. You know, it's not, it's not there's no, I don't mean anything mean by it. So, you, you know. Yeah. It sure is. It is. You know, I always tell people, I quote my husband because he's smart. He says, you can walk in as much freedom as you're willing to walk in truth. And that's where we get ourselves in. And so, what, and I've, I mean, how many of y'all been hurt by people close to you? Oh, we got 100% hands going up, right? And we got hands, we got feet. We're all, because we're all in the same human condition, right? But what, what sin, what act is so egregious against you that can't be laid aside in light of the world we live in today. You know what I'm saying? What, what is it? I mean, and I know that I'm not, and I'm not saying that people haven't hurt you and that things aren't real. I'm not lightening the severity of the crime committed against you. I'm not, and I'm, and I'm not saying in every situation that you're going to be, as Mike said so many times, I mean, he's not planning on going and sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner with his stepdad. You know what I mean? But what if there, I mean, God can work reconciliations that can even bring that around. But see, you've got to be open to the possibility before you can even get there. You see, a lot of people have already closed off. They say, well, I won't do this or that 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 that with that person. And see, you don't know in so doing that, you've closed off your heart to the possibilities. I don't know if many of you have heard my story about when my dad left my mother, he he left her for another woman and he was estranged from us for several months. We didn't know if he was dead or alive. And then he decides he's gonna mar- him and my mom get divorced and he's gonna marry the other woman. And no one, I mean, my brother, we're not going to the wedding, you know what I mean? Cause you know, you're, family's still all the time. Mom and dad get divorced and kids, that's my mom, they side. How many of y'all? Yeah, you know, it happens all the time. And so they side. I'll take this kid and you take that. Well, me and my brother both, my, it was an obvious choice who we went. My mother done nothing wrong. So we were on team mom. And we feel that sense to be loyal to our mother. Right? And then my dad's gonna get married and I'm like, well, we're not going to the wedding because out of a you know, I, we want to be loyal to my mother. You all understand that. I know you do, because you live in the exact same world I do. Except for the Lord had another idea. He said, I want you to go to the wedding. Well I didn't want to. And so I tried to pull out honor your father and your mother. I had to choose one to honor. The more right one. But the Lord told me to go, and so Mike and I went. And my girls were—I didn't have a boy at the time. We had—I had little little kids. And I walk in, and I've—I've I've prepared myself in prayer. I mean, I'm like—you know how you do? You know what I mean? You're like, I don't want to be here, Lord. I'm doing this just as a sacrifice to you, and it's at my—you know—my aunt's house. So my whole—all my dad's sisters are there, and I have a really flamboyant family. I know y'all don't have a hard time, you know, but I might be considered more conservative in my family. So just let that, you know, so I have this flamboyant family. They're all mouthy. I know y'all like, they're all, you know, they're just big. They're just big, loud women. That's just how my family is. And so as soon as I walked in the door and I'm trying to keep it on the, you know, down low, My aunt grabs me. She said, go help Edith with her dress. She needs somebody to help her with her dress. Yes, she did. I don't even want to be there without, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, don't let me kill people. Yeah. And it's just me and her in the front bedroom, the bridal suite, as she is in there with a, Long wedding gown, white. I just let that, you know, fill in the room with a train like she is some virgin bride. You know what I'm talking about? She's an old drug addict. Not even cute. Yeah, she's skinny, meth'll do that. I'm not kidding. Oh my Lord! I said, Lord, help me, help me. This is not right. I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was shaking, it was just me and her. And she had, you know, a wedding dress. Had a thousand buttons up the back. All the way up to here. Another set of buttons that went all the way up here. And another set right here. And as I sat there, I buttoned every one of those buttons and I never said a word, but I prayed, God, let the as I button those buttons, I pray, God, let these be seeds of death that fall to the ground and die. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. And as I button those, I didn't want to cry, you know, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just buttoned them all. As I was every button, I was just down. I said, Lord, sacrifice to you. I'm not mad at anybody, but you see it. And I buttoned all these, and they all buttoned, and I was just like, she's like, thank you. And I went, yeah. And I walked out. And then years pass. I told you last week, we plant stuff, and then we just won't tend it. We'd keep uprooting it. There's a lot of stuff you planted that you just wouldn't stay in a field long enough to harvest. You gave up. You, you, know, you, just, you just didn't, and that's just part of it. And so then years and years go by, years. Now I've got teenage daughters, and I've got a little boy. And I'm back in the town. Here I am. My mother's remarried. My dad's still married to her. I mean, they were, if you could understand the fierce warfare that was in this family, I'm sure you could probably just guess, right? Here I am. I'm at my house with my husband, my three kids, my brother, his three kids, my mom, her husband, my dad, his wife, and we are all sitting at the table at Thanksgiving. And I'm in the kitchen, and I'm fixing stuff. Everybody's laughing and joking. It was wonderful. <clears throat> I'd already forgotten. See, you forget about C.J. But the Lord has always rem- he not. I was in the kitchen, I was preparing a dish, and I was getting ready to go to the table, and the Lord just knocked on my heart. And he said, this is the fruit of the buttons. I, just, I laughed. and I, went, <laughs> I said, God, you're good. You watch over stuff and perform it. You show how reconciliation happens. But it, somebody's got to be willing to die. Somebody's got to be willing to lay down their life. And when you lay down your life, you lay down your rights, you lay down your injustices, you lay down your opinions. You lay down all of that, and what you pick up, see, we always, sometimes we like, to, we don't mind, we can kind of get through the laying down, because we can really fake that, right? How many of y'all can fake laying stuff down? I do it all the time. So do you. You can fake, like, because you know how you fake it, you say, oh yeah, I don't have any bitterness in my heart, it's good, I'm good, I just love them, and it's good. But you know when you've laid your life down, when you pick up service when you start serving. That's how you know you've laid it down, It's when you start serving. And you might serve in those areas, serve those people, you know, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, do good to those who, you know, there's a scripture that Jesus, he was a great preacher, still is, preaches to me all the time. He said, agree with your adversary, how? Quickly, quickly. Agree with who quickly? Your adversary quickly, while you're in the way. In other words, you know, you haven't, how many of you have ever had an adversary, Was an adversary or a conflict with a person? Oh yeah, we all have it. Agree quickly with them. I see, I see husbands and wives all the time doing custody battle, and they'll come to us for, and I've never had a custody battle, so maybe I'm not the right person to ask, right? Maybe. And so they'll come to me, and they're having this custody battle. And it'll be, and I always will have one or the other. And the person who's sitting in front of me is always the victim. They're always the righteous one. They're always the champion. They're always the one who is good and misunderstood and the one who's being wronged. It doesn't matter. If it's her, she's that. But if the guy comes in and sits down, he's saying the same thing. Always the person sitting before me is the victim. That's just how it goes. And so I have, we had this one situation one time with a woman and her husband, and they're battling custody, battling. I mean, it's all the money. She's, like, pouring resources into it. And she's told me everything he's ever done that was wrong from the time that she knew him all the way forward. I mean, what she's trying to do is she's trying to make me get on her side and paint him as a victim and agree with her, Right. I mean, this is classic 101. I would probably do the same thing if I was in her case. I don't know. And I looked there and I said, well, I'm just going to tell you what the word says. It says to agree with your adversary quickly. She went, what? How can you say that? I told you everything he did and I can't come to an agreement. I said, I'm just telling you for your children's sake, it would be better for you to come to an agreement with him and make peace because what you're doing in this is you're ripping your children apart and there's going to be a hard winner and a hard loser and it may not be you as the winner. That's what that scripture means. Unless, see, in the way, where are those two adversaries in the way to if you know the rest of the scripture? In the way to the court. It says because in the, what you may find, if you go, if you take this to the distance, Jesus said, he said you won't have sufficient for it. In other words, it's going to cost you more than you think it's going to cost you to get to the end than just in at the moment of adversary, at the moment of the conflict, be the person who is the peacemaker who says, I'm going to find, you know what, we're going to agree. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to button your dress. You say, I'm not a doormat. Okay, try it your way. Cool. Sounds like you know what to do. Get it. I, know one thing that I didn't Yeah, you don't have to you don't you know what? Who in here is more opinionated than me? Maybe John Smith. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding, John. <laughs> I, I know. I can say that because I love him. You know, I know I'm sure there are many opinions I know. I, I like y'all because y'all are I like people who know their mind. You know what I mean? I don't mind opinions, but this is what I've come to find out in my life, is that I am entitled to my opinions. It just doesn't mean my opinions are right. And it doesn't mean they're wrong. That's exactly right, but it doesn't mean you have to tell everybody. Please.
1: First. He gives, he takes away. That's not another person. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. The second thing is, is that in my situation, um, similar to your parents, whatever, um, I think this is what my expression to my children is. The only difference between decisions of children and adults is the degree of consequences.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And,
1: and so, in this situation, what I taught my kids was there were decisions that were made that were not the best.
0: Right. And they have consequences. That's it.
1: However, the Lord himself is the father to the father. Mm-hmm. And he's the husband to the widow. Right. It's real hard to go from a husband of God himself.
0: Right. That's yeah. it. That's so good. What I'm saying, that's right. And he loved them. them. And that's good because you had to minister to your kids. you had to put your heart aside and minister healing to them. And seeing that's so good. And I, and, and I'm, and I'm not saying that things don't happen that are not devastating in families. My only, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to open this way. It's totally off. Maybe it's just for somebody who is in here today. I don't know. This was not a part of anything that I have. But I just wanted to open with the, with the idea of conflict resolution. I, I would like for, including me, I, I have to take my own medicine, y'all. And that is another very good point. He said, what if the other person does not want to be involved in resolution? Then there's nothing you can do. You can only make your decisions. But what you can choose to do is not accelerate the fire. Not accelerate and try to, and ask the Lord in all humility, give me a wedding dress experience. Give me a wedding dress opportunity. You know what I'm saying by that? Give me a place to serve. Open up a caveat. Open up a seam in the situation where I can be a minister of reconciliation. Because so many times we just want to shut the door. We're like, like, really? See, we're just not honest with ourselves. I'm not always honest with myself, are y'all? I'm just not. I'm the easiest person to lie to. Myself. I'm a good liar to myself. We all are that way, because I can be in that situation for me. I'm not saying this is you, but I can be in that situation, and I can say, they don't want reconciliation. They don't want me around. So I'm not going to do anything. What I've just done is I didn't want to reconcile anyway, and I didn't want the trouble of it. I didn't want another wedding dress experience, because I'm not saying that was fun. I'm not like, that was the most fun thing I've ever done. It was not. And so I just closed those doors, and push it off on them and say it's not available just because I'm not available. Really, I do that, and the Lord shows me my heart all the time. He really does. He's like, you know, Andrea, that's not right. I mean, I, I am, I have to stay correctable before the Lord, because I am often in the wrong. I know. he just drops. Out. <laughs> Liz, you know what to do with the bleach. I was right? Say, I, was say, I look like Hillary Clinton this morning, by the way, so you know what to do with the bleach. I was going to say on that uh, about Stephen, and this is the part of the scripture that that I've asked the Lord to help me. When Stephen was being stoned to death, he looked up and saw Christ. Yeah. And I say, look up and see Christ. Yes. No. They didn't want reconciliation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. So if
1: we
0: But and I don't I'm only open with this. I just feel like in the climate we're in today that we need to settle some things. Maybe the, all of us do. Yes. <laughs> it's not only our family, but there is one community that works sometimes. I'm not sure everybody has this. Yeah. I seem to do it all the time. I'm like, <laughs> yes, right. You did, That's it. And that's and that's easier. It's easier on a T-shirt than it is in a lifestyle, isn't it? We all know that. And, and so that's just what I'm saying today. If that fits and you've got a situation, yes, Deborah. Yeah. It allowed me to not myself, not to look at the human as the source of this or this change. The important thing was my heart was open in that person. I can't I wasn't angry because I walked under God. Right. And I think that that is the condition of your heart is the paramount thing because you have nothing to do with their heart. Mm-hmm. They never did. Right. The Lord gives, the Lord gives. People make decisions, we regret some of them. You know, that's, that's why. Right. So this is what's amazing to me on this. And what she's saying there when she says that, she, that you ne- they never heard that from you, the reason they never did is because your heart was healed. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the only person who can heal the heart is the Lord, right? And so she submitted herself to the Lord. He healed her heart. And then she didn't have to guard the words of her mouth as much. I'm sure there were times. But, she, but her heart produced what was just natural to it. Right. Never said where
1: And so, two of the kids know especially my older
0: And, you know, what I would tell them your father loves you to the Right. And I, I think that's good, yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. I know what you mean right it's but not only how and how, how many of you would agree if you try to drink the poison that you're talking about and it's killing you but it, the sad part is it is it's not just killing you everybody in your sphere it is poisoning them as well we got yep right here
1: suffered he threatened not here's the key but committed it means he entrusted himself to him that judges righteously there's the whole answer right there you just entrust yourself to god because he knows he knows who's
0: right he's gonna he make is. it right because how many times in your life have you thought you were absolutely right who knew god knew you know what i mean and we hate that yes ma'am Absolutely. Good clarification. He he'll address that because that's his situation. Never, never, not even near. address that that was good okay that thank you for clarifying that I love it when I miss gaps and you bring it up that's good absolutely You can't use right, and, and that's a very good point. And I would just say, I think the core of the matter is that we have to say, Lord, we have to stand as an individual before the Lord and say, God, whatever you have to do, heal my heart. And if we can get there, then we find that the, the, the rest of the answers how I should respond, what I should do, what I should say, where I should go, if I should reach out, if I should not reach out from a healed heart. Healed actions and words emanate from there. And I think that that's very good. And he, he made the point here. He said that he said, You can forgive someone and not forget. You know, it's hard, to for, it's hard not to forget. To forgive and forget, you know, we've heard those statements before. Um, Paul, Paul said, Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. And in the concept, if we're very binary, you know, black and white, in our concept of forgetting. And forgiving this is where we get mixed up because I have a problem I have a real good memory I have a problem with amnesia all of you do too you know what I mean we do so in the idea if we just say a binary forgetting when it comes back up you what's your automatic response is you think I guess I didn't forgive them because I didn't forget right and so we just keep in this circle of condemnation going, oh, Lord, forgive me, I forgive them, Lord. I mean, how many of y'all have done this like me? Y'all have joined me in this little club? Yeah, we, we have. Here's what I came across in studying one day with the word forget. <clears throat> to forget is not to, in that context, it's not to have some sort of an amnesia where you say, do you remember that? That's really a cycle. Psych- if you can't remember it, that's an unhealthy psychological term called Repression. It really is. I mean, that's what, you know, I I mean, Melissa, am I right? So I'm not even, I don't even have a degree for this, but I know that that's just have like a, a blocked memory is coming later. That's not what this forgetting is. To forget is to move it from the front of your brain to the back. It is. It's refusing to do it's refusing to bring it up. You're sowing in the activity of forgetting. But how many of you know that there's a difference in if you try to remember something you can, but it's not something that's always in the front, it's not a it's not frontless to your eyes. Everything you see, you're not seeing through that. That's all I pray for the Lord. Lord help me to forget this. I understand now, it's not that it never I'm incapable of remembering it. It's that it's moved to a part of my brain that no longer controls my daily activity. Is that, you know, <clears throat> yes. Yes, it's not impacting my emotions. It's not a part of my process. And I'm saying, I'm saying, I, I had no intention of getting in this. This just must be what the Lord wanted to say today. That is not an easy journey. It is not a one and done. I have had to go through those processes time and time and time again until I utterly just say, God, heal me. And, t- and I finally get to the place where it's a prayer I prayed as a child, and you know, how many know children are way more powerful for the Lord sometimes before they get all their brains involved? I used to pray before the Lord when I was little. Because this is all the theology I had. When I had a situation that I couldn't control because I'm a child and I'm out of, everything's out of control around you, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You don't have control. As a child who is a Christian, I loved... I found out right away after I got saved, <clears throat> God was the best thing that ever happened to me. I had a partner with me who could fix people that I couldn't. He could fix situations that I couldn't. And so as a child, if there was hell going on in my house, and there was often hell going on in my house, I would get out of my house and I would be in terror. How many of you know what, you know, terror where you shake in terror. And I would go out and I would kneel down somewhere in tall grass. We had acreage. And I would say, God, I don't know how you do what you do, but do what you do. Fix this. And I would pray as a child. As a child, I would pray until I felt, I didn't know what the term was, but it was a release. Now I know as, a, as an adult, I, I, what we call, you know, the old Pentecostals pray praying through. I would pray, I would stay in that posture before the Lord until I felt something inside of me say it was done. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many ever prayed to that place? If you hadn't, it's available. And it would just be, and I'm a child, I don't know these things. I, I have not had anybody teach me these things. I'd go to the Baptist church where you can't clap. And I would know it was done. I'd be like, oh, there it is. And the terror would go away, and I'd walk in the house. And however, I don't know how, I don't know how my new partner did it. But he'd turn it. He'd turn it. And there have been times in my life that I couldn't fix my heart. As an adult who has a lot more knowledge. And I had to remember the childhood prayer. Lord, I don't know how. You do what you do but do what you do. Because how many of you have ever driven yourself crazy trying to sort out all the details with your big adult brain? It's the worst thing you can do. I hate to pick knots. I don't like to put puzzles together. I don't like to do anything that's very intricate. It annoys me. So I'm real quick to give up on things like that. So if i got a problem in a relationship or a family or things, you know what I have to do? I don't look for all their faults. I have to stop doing that. There's no, there's no healing in that. I say, first off, I go to the mirror and I say, God, you know my heart is deceitful above all things. I need you to search it and find everything in there that I don't want to see, hear, or feel and in your loving way, bring it forward and let's get rid of it. And that process goes on until finally he takes the, it's a process, he takes it from forefront and he moves it to back. And then he moves it so far from me, I have trouble bringing it forward and getting mad about it again. And I laugh over the fact that it's just done. Well, then you don't have to worry about people, do you? I mean, that's what, I mean, that's just, that's what you have to know your own heart, yes.
1: Just really, you know, it was all right here, right here, right here, and then this big constant struggle to don't speak, don't speak, don't. Right. It wasn't don't speak because your heart's healed. It was just keep the mouth
0: shut. Because you are in those places where it's just like you're too raw, and everything that's gonna come out is gonna be.
1: Mm-hmm. I know what you've done to the concept of forgiveness mm-hmm. through the abuse and all the stuff. So I don't care about forgiveness. Now hear what I'm saying, say because he does. Right. But, but he talked to me the way I could hear him. And he said, I want you to just give him to me. Mm-hmm. Will you please just
0: let me... Right. It. Yeah, you surrendered it. And, and in that moment, and so, you know, really everything had been going on for about two years up until that moment of just really struggle. And in that moment, it, it, there was a disconnect from the pain, there was an instantaneous. Mm hmm. Right, and that's that that's what we call that. I don't know how you do what you do. Was, you do, what you do. And, and, and those are available in the Lord. And sometimes, if you're raised in practice, like I was, like you were, we hear a phrase like praying through, mm-hmm. and we think it takes a certain amount of time. It takes Not. A of to do. No. think it takes, what I would say is it takes a certain amount of focus on the one who is able and a certain amount of, of surrender to the one who's not, which is me. And it's that, it's that exchange. That's what we talked about last. It's an exchange of, of beauty for ashes. It's an exchange of giving something over and receiving something from the Lord. And we would be surprised at how attached we are to our ashes how attached we are to our suffering, how attached we are to our victimization, how attached we are to an identity that does not glorify Christ. And see, that's part of the surrender, and that's what is so perilous about our mentality. I would caution anyone from carrying around a victim mentality. It is not good. It is not good. It is not good. It's just not. And I, I mean, you might be the worst victim. And, and I'm not saying that your victimization is not true. I mean, I've, I've lived with my husband for years. He was, a, he was a true victim of his circumstances. He was a child who had absolutely no ability to change his situation. But I would, me as his, I'm just, Lord gave him who he needed. I am not a person who will pet victimization. Is that true? I'll listen. I'll listen. I can commiserate with you. You know what I mean? I can go, yeah, that sucks. But we're only going to be there for a minute, aren't we? And we're going to be, get up, get up. Who are you now? Get up, get up, get up. And he's done that for me too. I mean, he's turned it around on me and said, but who are you? Get up. Who are you? Get up. Bartimaeus is not blind Bartimaeus no more. He's seeing Bartimaeus. I'm not going to let my dysfunction define my identity. My identity is in Christ and I am victorious in him. He is seated in a place of victory. I am seated in him. Therefore, I am victorious. I've lost nothing. I've lost nothing. I've lost nothing. I've only gained. Look what I've gained. And that is the punctuation to it. Stop looking at the loss. You've only gained in Christ. You've only gained. And so we have to stay there. And so I say all of that, I think, because I had no plans of saying that. I say all of that, I think, and I'm, I'm thankful when the Lord just comes in and does what he wants to do. Is because, in my opinion, we are entering into a day, a season. A paradigm is shifting, a paradigm has shifted, and we are learning how to operate in a new day. We really are. I'm not a doomsday prophet. I am not a person who, I don't even say I'm a prophet. I just try to listen and I try to see the landscape. I will tell you this, that at the first of the year, I really felt like the Lord was, was stirring the church, was going to begin stirring the church, stirring the church. I read all the minor prophets after Babylonian captivity. I read Ezra. I read Nehemiah. I read Haggai. I read Zachariah. I read all those areas in there of restoration of the church, restoration of the church, building the walls. I, and I was just stirred. I thought, God, God, your church is not ready. Your church is not ready. When I read the book of Haggai, I feel like I am reading a letter to the American church. I do. And so it's like, your church is not ready. Your church is not ready. And I felt this, but on the same hand, I felt God was saying, I want to raise up my church to a place of significant influence. I want to raise up my church to a place of power. I want to raise up my church to a place where she is supposed to be. I want her, I want her to be, I want her to have fire in her eyes. I want her to have a love for the groom. I want her to have her mission on earth as being before her. I want her not to have to try to figure out how to raise the sick and heal the dead. That's the same thing, right? It's going to happen either way. I want her to not have to figure out how to cast out devils. I want her to be so plugged in to my divine support that she doesn't have to even think about it. So why did I start out with forgiveness and restoration? Thank you, Lord. You're helping me now. It's important, Right? We can't get there unless we deal with those areas in our heart. I'm not telling you you're going to be best friends with those people, but you can be best friends with God, and your heart can be right, and you can have a love for those persons and not a protection for your own rights. You can lay it down, disenfranchise from all that hurt to a place that you have to go rummaging around in the back of your closet to find it if you wanted to. Does that make sense? So I, I hope we have to get there. Here's the, here's the trade. Just like Jesus went to the rich young ruler. Jesus didn't go to them. The rich young ruler went to him. And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, and they have this whole discourse. And Jesus is such a master. That's why they called him Master. And he said, yeah, but one thing you lack, you know, go and sell all your goods to the poor and come follow me. Because he knew in his heart that his idol was he, you know, he, was, he thought he was cool with all the commandments. But thou shalt have no other gods before me was really tripping him up. Because his riches were his idol. And so Jesus just created the scenario just to bring forth the idol. And it says, why did he do that? Because Jesus just loved to jab people. It doesn't say that in the word. Because he loved him. So when the Lord brings about the things in your life that are not pleasing to him, he's not trying to jab you. He does it because he loves you. And he knows it is a hindrance to your well-being. And he can do nothing but good to you even when the good he's doing to you feels like bad in the inception because you're so attached to the bad, you don't even have a concept of the good. And so we see that, but I trust, Lord. I say I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. So I see this at the first of the year, and now I'm a. I can. I'm a positive person. I am optimistic to a fault. I think everybody thinks like me, and I think everybody acts like me. It's just. It's a weird way to be, but it's just how I deal with people. I'm a. I'm a black and white person, right? I I love black and white. I wear it's like my. It's my signature. I'm either. I'm a yes or a no, and it doesn't take me long to figure out which it is. It's either yes or no. You ask me what I want. I'm like yes and no. I am. Quick, I'm just that way. I know what I like and what I don't like, and I feel like everybody else is the same way as me, but I forget that there are a lot of you out there that are so egalitarian (laughs) that when people like me walk in the room and go, dumb, stupid, right, that's the only thing that'll work. That you egalitarians are like (gasps) (laughs) She's not nice. And so I work on that, okay? I work on that by my husband saying, if you ever notice, he'll pat me. (laughs) Nothing makes me matter, But I know what he's doing. Just just calm down. Yeah, you know, good, 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 because you're stuck with me just like I am, because I've tried to change that about me, and it's just not a real, I mean, if I don't, if you don't, this is what we've learned. If... The room, if the room is not a great place for my opinion, right, Mike? We've we've been in ministry 30 years. If the room is not a great place for my personality, I stay home. I have not gone to many meetings we've been called to. Why? I want the person to live. There's just time. Now, other times I've been able to, right? Right? There's certain times and certain seasons and certain issues, right? And Michael said no, I'll just take care of this. You know what? That's the In a way it's your
1: own power because there's people that need your funds.
0: They need to <laughs> They may not want it. <laughs> and that's that's right, that's right. Well yeah, <laughs> If you don't know how to edit it. Lord, show me if I need to I need to be in this week. Right. I know what you mean. My brand of personality. Right. Because not everybody can handle the oh, it's gonna be okay. Some people need to be suck it right. up. Yep. Suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. That's right. That's it. And and that's true. And so we, we find that. And we are, and that brings me to that we're a body. We're a body. I need you. And you need me. And the Lord has been really, really stirring me about Hebrews 10 this week. Hebrews 10. What is Hebrews 10, you say? Some of you already know what Hebrews 10 is. Where there's one scripture in there that you'll know above all others, I think. Do not forsake the assembling of yourself together, especially as you see that day approaching. What day are we talking about? It's capitalized, that capital D. Right. Do y'all think we are in the season that we see that day approaching? What should you not do during this time? What is the agenda of the world to try and stop you? I mean, it's like, stay away. Now, if I were the devil, and I'm not, but if I were the devil, I would read the book. And if I were the devil, I would be arrogant enough to believe that I could do something to change the book. And I would try that. And I would try to stop people from doing what the book says I know I may be that arrogant I may not be able to defeat God and Christ but I can sure take a lot of you with me because I know that while you're pretty smart you're not as smart as me because you're not as old as me and you don't have as much spiritual eyes as I do and you don't have the. I'm the devil here talking about. You would think. Yeah, about evil, and, all this you and what is that? <laughs> the thief comes to. Not n- no, <laughs> We're not very. That's good. they are not very focused. Yeah, and you know what scientists have now discovered that multitasking is not a good thing. Yeah, really <laughs> Who knew, right? So, right. So here we are. So if I, no, I'm using that as a play. I'm I'm just being facetious there. Y'all know, but I'm saying there is an agenda from hell Amen. to destroy the church. If I feel. At the first of the year, God is speaking to me, and I, you know, God speaks to you what He wants to speak to you, I guess. But this is what I feel God at the first of the year is speaking to me. I'm fixing to stir my church. I'm fixing to stir my church. I'm fixing to stir my church. I'm fixing to raise up my church. I want my church to rise up to significant influence. I'm going to get my church ready, the church. And church needs to wake up. The church needs to get up. The church needs to wise up. The church needs to own up. I mean, I'm I'm just feeling all these things. The church needs to go up. The church needs to needs to figure things out. I'm feeling it stirring stirring, and stirring, and stirring, and stirring, and stirring, and bam. There's a counterattack, and who is the victim of the counterattack? The church. Well, instead of me going, oh no, the devil wins again. I'm gonna hunker down, hold up. I'm gonna buy bullets and beans. And I'm gonna peek out my window and I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna hold on till the end. <laughs> no, I'm gonna fight like hell. Yes. What do I mean by that? Hell's all out in the streets. Hell's all blatant with their message while the church is going, "Don't say that in some microaggression. I had to look up what a microaggression was. You know, don't say that. It's not PC. Politically correct. Don't do that. Don't, yeah. mm, uh, mm, mm, mm. And I loved what Mike said on Wednesday night. He said that the Antichrist, how is he going to be destroyed? Do y'all remember the scripture? How is he going to be destroyed? It's in Thessalonians. By the breath of whose mouth? His mouth. Who is Jesus' body? On Earth, can can you point to me where the mouth of God would be on Earth right now? No, I'm not saying you're God. You you all understand, right? But when He's speaking, who's He going to be speaking this message through? his church. And we've got to learn to be people. Now, if you don't know the word and you're not in the word at this point, I have harped on the word till I feel like I am blue in the face. I feel like I've laid around and rolled around on the floor and begged y'all to do something more than your daily bread. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I have. I've just been, I have just to the point that I'm sick of saying it, and I hope you're sick of hearing it. But if you're not in the word at this point, if you're more into Netflix at this point, it's t- if you've got to turn, get rid of the TV, and cut off the subscription to find you some word in your life, you've got to do it. Right, what is it? Oh, good point. What, we are post, we just post, we just, po- I mean, not, I, there's a lot of good stuff on Facebook, right? You know, there's some stuff, there's some stuff that's good, but there's a lot of stuff that's not. I, you don't, do I care, do I care that you got your roots done? I'm glad for you. That's pretty the time. What did Paul say? Redeem the time, especially when you see what? When the, that's what it is. Say it a, Redeem the time. Do we, is that a fit our criteria today? Okay. I just want us to be number one. Here's here's your here's your get out of bitterness 101 class. This is how I do it. So you you know, you know, you know when I say that, Jacob, he loves to impersonate me. And this is what he said I do. He said, he nailed me. He said that when he said, he said, when dad is gonna say something, he'll say, Oh no, I shouldn't say that. Y'all you heard it. oh I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say that. and then he makes y'all like, oh yeah, yo, yeah, say it. And he says, and then when like he says it, it's like something that's not bad at all. And we're all like, that wasn't bad at all. Why why did you not want to say that? He said, but when mom says it, she doesn't ever warn you. She says it and then goes. (sighs) (laughs) Like it somehow shocked her too. (laughs) I was like, Jacob, you watch a little too closely. So as we see this, we see the day, approach. I'm, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, if you're ever going to go to church, now's the time to go to church. If you're ever going to read your word, now's the time to read your word. If you were ever going, you say, but what if we get sick and die? I'm not, and, and honestly, know my heart here. I'm not trying to undercut a severity of something. I'm not trying to devalue your life or any other life. Y'all hear me on this, right? You hear, I'm not, I'm not trying to. I love you, and I want you to live a full and healthy life. But I cannot stand idly by and watch us respond to fear when we're supposed to be people of the Spirit and faith. I can't do it. I can't do it. I know what the Word says in Revelations. Who can quote it with me? And they love not their lives unto... Then you're saying, What? But I had to look at my own self in this. When we came back from Africa, I mean, everything felt weird, right? I didn't know what was going on. We were in Africa and we were sitting at the missionary's house, and I'm fixing the clothes. And this is, I was, we went to Africa on the eve of a pandemic. Y'all all realize that, right? Our Africa team, y'all realize it. Y'all are with us, right? We had tickets bought though, right? And we're not people of fear. And you know what? I wouldn't do it any differently. How many, you know, the ones who went, I I don't look at that and go, I regret going. It was hard, but I'm glad we did it. We built churches. There are churches standing that wouldn't have been there, right? There are experiences gained that I wouldn't have had. It was worth it. It was worth it a time and time and time again, in my opinion. It wasn't easy, but it was worth it. And so, we were sitting at the missionary's house and playing rook because that's what preachers do. The work's done, the rook's out. So we're sitting there, and there was a missionary associate there. What was his name, guys? do Y'all remember his name? They called him Hollywood. Nick. I can't ever remember his name. All I remember his Hollywood. He was this good-looking kid, and they all called him Hollywood. He had teeth when he smiled, was like Ding. So. He was sitting there, and, and Nick was sitting there, and he had his phone out. And he is like, you know, I had just already labeled him as a conspiracy theorist. You know what I mean? Millennial conspiracy theorist. He's like, it's getting bad, y'all. Something's going on. I said, like, oh, it's just like Ebola. It's just like SARS. It's, you, know, you know, I'm like, uh, it's just, it's just fear. That's what I'm doing. I'm just brushing him off. And then, and then this is what happened. We're sitting at the table, and he went, he, he went, they just canceled the NBA. And I don't know what that was. <laughs> I like basketball, okay? Not the NBA. No, it was really in that moment. I feel like that was just a, that was the moment. And, and all of a sudden, it's like the entire atmosphere. I'm not making light of it. It was really a spiritual shift. And I knew what I didn't know before. And I felt a very sober, like a new day dawned. And I knew it. Like the feeling, like you just turned a page. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? It was like all of a sudden, it was like all the air was sucked out of the room. The old air we used to breathe was sucked out of the room. And there was that moment where there was no air, and then a new kind of air was put in. And now every breath you're breathing, you're breathing a different air, if you know what I mean. That's the best way I can describe it. And I heard the voice of God say, this is a dress rehearsal. In that moment, I heard it, and I just looked to Mike, and I said, this is a dress rehearsal. It's a dress rehearsal to get us practiced for set down, shut up, separate, and be quiet. I'm not, I'm not trying to make this political. This is, this is kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of light. That's all this is. I, Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter. I, this is not about that. What movement or no movement? It's not about that, y'all. Don't get, don't get focused on earthly things. Yes, he's doing it. That's all he has to use is people. Who does God use? Who does the enemy use? We have to understand that. I just want to make sure I'm the right kind of people. And so I feel a sobriety, and I came back, and I was a little bit scared, and I washed every grocery that came into my house. I did. I was like, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? And then I just started to go, I just can't live this way. I can't live this way. I cannot live in fear. I cannot live in fear. I can't do this. And that scripture and revelation kept coming over in my mind. They love not their lives unto death. And then the spirit of the Lord just sort of asked me again, said, Andrea, why are you so in love with your life? Well oh dogs. God it's got a great you know, look. Why are you so in love with your life? And that challenged me. You know what it challenged? My love of comfort. It challenged my love of self. <clears throat> it challenged my identity of who I am. A paradigm shifted in my mind. And then I told y'all I was in the service on a Wednesday night, and the Lord said, and I was, I was still. They're like, wait, I'd be fine, you know, one day, and I'm like, I'm got the victory. You know, what I'm talking about. You're like. I've got the, I'm good. But then a ne- something else would just like step in the room with me and all of a sudden i feel anxious for no reason. Anybody else experience that? And I was like, what is this? And I would just be like, I can't breathe. I think i got the Rona. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, anybody else? <sighs> what if my kids, what if, you know, don't be acting all cavalier, Andrea. You know, you, I'm on can I just be honest with y'all? And so I I, I was like, this is not right. It's not right. It's not right. And then I was sitting in service, and nobody was there. And the Lord just spoke again to me, and I told you all this. And it's it's changed my life. I don't know if I articulate it right. I think I just insult people when I say it. I'm I'm trying to work out the, the Lord, it's exactly how he said it to me. Because I was still kind of dealing with anxiety, not anxiety. Monday, no anxiety. Tuesday, anxiety. Wednesday, no anxiety. You know what I mean? And I I just couldn't. I was like, it's like a deck of cards. What's going to be dealt out to me today? And so the Lord just told me he said anxiety is a symptom of idolatry. Not when preaching on it. Just avoid, I mean that's not my you know why I know it wasn't my thoughts. I don't usually slam myself like that. Cuz I like burn. You know what I'm saying? I was like what? I got my little, I had a piece of paper in my purse and I ripped it and I wrote that down. I wanted to go like, is that the devil or is that God? And I, I, and I said, Lord, I don't understand that. Instantly began to unpack. Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That's the remedy for what in that chapter? Worry. And then the Lord began to show me the Ten Commandments are not, you don't work from ten to one. You work from one to ten. When you get one right, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Two is just an easy step. And you get to three, you know, don't take the Lord's All that's just easy. And then you start getting into how you treat other people, your relationship parts of them, right? The first three are about God, right? And, well, the Sabbath, I'm getting four Sabbath. Is that right? And then the fifth steps into, you know, don't do this to that one and don't do that. It's how you behave with other people. He said, you're anxious because I'm not the true center of your life. He said, The true center of your life is self and you're trying to bring you're trying to include me on the throne of that throne. I was like, Well that's not real good. He said, when you feel anxiety is a symptom of idolatry, it means you're so worried about the preservation of self and what's going to happen to you and how this is going to impact you and what's going to happen to you and how this is going to happen to your kids and your house and your community and your church and your and you and you and you and your nation and you and your president and you and you. You know what I'm saying? He said, it's because, he said, you want me to fix all the, he said, you want me to line up everything around your your house, For you. He said, but if I was actually the center of your life, nothing else would matter. And I just received it from the Lord because I knew it was God's voice. And it was instant healing for me, just like that. And every time that anxiety does, like there's an anxious, like another news article, you know, comes up and something else, and there's a reason to be anxious, I go, I seek you, God. Whatever you say is what I do. I will not be anxious for anything because I know who's at the center of my life. Live or die, God, you're number one. And I won't, and I won't let, see, and that what that does is it's fortified me against anxiety because in God, what is there nothing? There's no fear in love. And God is love. And that's what he showed me. And I just tell you that. So if you're dealing with anxiety, you might want to check who's on, who's at the center of your life. That's what it was for me. And it was real easy. God didn't, he didn't beat me up. He didn't call me an idolater. Well, he did. He said, you're living in idolatry and your God is yourself. But it was okay. I liked it. Does that make sense when the Lord corrects you with something? I was like, oh, thank you for that. And could you move to the center of my life? And when he moved to the center of my life, all of a sudden I found out how to be anxious for nothing. But by prayer, if I need something, I just ask God. And then I hear these doomsday prophets that are coming right now. And, that, and it may be true, it may not. soon. What I love about, if you don't know, then you don't know, you may not want to know. If, you know, I, what I love about a prophecy that has a defined timeline, you know, you get to find out soon enough. But you know what I'm gonna be? Good either way. Yes. Yes. What? Right. Day and Mm-hmm. And that I'm not trying to turn this into a do. I'm saying I'm saying turn it into a become, and then you will do. Yes. Matthew 6,
1: to that. Wherefore God so clothed the grass and field which today is and the is passing the oven, shall he not much more clothe you over you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, meaning no anxious thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things, the Gentiles say, For your heavenly Father, Knows you have need of all these things but seek
0: first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these things shall be added to you. who seeks all those things Dennis they seek the gentiles seek all these things and who are the gentiles idolaters see there's there's the you know what I mean you're in covenant and you have everything you need this has to be something more than just a mental assent this has to be a posture of the heart a knowing of who we are and we we I dwell there. The secret place of the most high shall abide in the shadow.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it. That's it. We see that. All I know is that Psalm 2 rings in my ear all the time. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The Lord is going to laugh at the, the, the plans of this world. This is all the church has got to start saying. You look at that Psalm 2, the Father speaks, the Son speaks, and the Holy Spirit speaks. Read it in the Passion Translation. The Father speaks, the Son speaks, and the Spirit speaks. And you know what the spirit's saying right now? What the church should be saying? Kiss the sun. Kiss the sun. What does that mean? You better you better pay, do homage is what some translate. You submit, find your place under the lordship. Uh, kiss the sun. It's time to kiss the sun. It's time for us to be telling the world it's time to start. If you're ever going to kiss the sun, this is the time. If you're ever planning on getting close to God, this is this is it, y'all. And who, I mean, many, 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 many nations have had to go through persecution, have had to have, have lived in, in oppressive times. Who, why? Why would we think, because we're the, we're America, that we don't have to, I love, I love America. I love, I love the founding father's principles. Those have been so swept away. You can't even hardly find them anymore. But what we find, if any nation that does not turn to God... Is it repentable? That's why we're crying out to God. I want a revival. I want to see God move. I want to see God build his house. I want to see the earth shake. I want the glory of God to visit his people. I want people who don't shake under the power of God to shake under the power of God. I want people who don't know God to come and contact with God. I want cancer to fall off people. I want tumors to be eradicated. I want the power of God in his church again because he finds a place where He. He can pour out his glory. A people who have said, I don't want nothing but you, God. We've come this far. I don't want nothing but you because there's nothing who can save me but you. That's where we're at today. We got to go. Oh, my Lord.